Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor of Youth and Families at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. All right, Gage. Well, last week we had the excitement that was our one-year anniversary, Assurance of Pardon, turned one year old. Uh, so it's still in diapers, but it is uh, it is continues to become more and more adorable every day. So uh, <laughs> we are uh, super grateful. We hit thirteen thousand downloads this past week uh, with folks around the world, and it always it always is an encouragement to me. We use a a, a website, uh, a podcast service called Buzzsprout, which hosts a, a ton of podcasts, thousands of podcasts, and they've got these really neat metrics where we can log in and see even by individual episode uh, where people were listening. And it always warms my heart when I see some tiny little village in Alaska or some <laughs> tiny town in in Tanzania. Uh, and the, the last episode had three downloads. And I'm like, wow, that means somebody in, in, in Bangladesh or Tanzania or they listened to the episode and then they shared it with two of their friends. Uh, I'll, I'll do you one better. Uh, this last week, I, I got to go to Jackson and hang out uh, with my buddy Ted Clark. You know, we had Ted uh, on the the podcast a couple episodes ago, um, and Ted actually said, "This this made me laugh." He he said, "My dad. I was visiting with my dad the other day, and he said, I'm you know I've, I've written several books, and um, I'm on two different podcasts that I co-host, and he said my dad normally doesn't." listen to a lot of my stuff. He said, no kidding. He, he looked at me and said, man, I heard you on assurance of pardon. You were pretty good. Oh, wow. That's so cool. That's yeah. So, so, cool. so that, that was my highlight of the week, but yeah, we love all of our listeners, our, our buddies uh, in the OPC down in Puerto Rico who message us all the time. Um, our, our intern friends in Mississippi that are working through ordination. I even had a friend of mine that was an intern uh, at my church that I grew up in in West Memphis, who's now in England, um, helping uh, a publishing company uh, there. And he found me through Googling and found Assurance of Pardon. So we're, we're excited to reconnect there. So all, all sorts of ways in which um, we're seeing the, the fruits of this uh, ministry and this podcast. And we're uh, completely grateful. Awesome. Another exciting thing. Scott is um, today's episode and every episode after this is actually going to be brought to you by Logos Bible Software. Logos Bible Software combines books, a search engine and tools that empower anybody to understand the Bible. Scott, what's your favorite feature about Logos? You know, my favorite feature, and we're going to talk about a, a highlight uh, and spend a, a you know a minute or so talking about a Logos feature on each episode this season. But my favorite new feature that's in Logos 9 is the fact book, which 
is when I'm reading a, a, a biblical text, it will have words underlined, and I can say maybe it's the word atonement, and I can click on that, and it will open that in the fact book. Think like Wikipedia, and it will bring up an, a, a, a series of articles about that particular concept. So whether it's Noah or Ham or Shem or Japheth, the, the Noah's sons, or the Ark or the Flood or uh, um, the Ammonites or the Hittites or the Jebusites. All of those have articles linked to them in fact book that allow me to, to drill down on a particular topic or a particular subject. Gage, I know you use Logos in your sermon prep. Uh, it's, it's probably one of the most, not only is it a great software, it's a software I use every single day uh, it's incredible. And I, I, and I'm, I'm lear I learn something new that I can do in Logos every time I use it. It's like a Swiss army knife that just has an unlimited number of tools. And I always feel like I'm just barely scratching the surface, uh, because there's still so many other things it does. It's a super, super great. And if anybody w uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to have uh, special discounts for assurance of pardon listeners through our website. We're in the process of getting those set up, but in the interim, you can find out more. If you're interested, you can go to logos.com. That's L-O-G-O-S.com. Gage, speaking of listeners around the world, we have listeners in Roswell, New Mexico, possibly at Area 51. So if you are listening in Roswell, New Mexico, please reach out to us. Tell us what's going on at Area 51. Are you there? <laughs> Do you work there? Are you an alien? And are these jokes so annoying to you because everybody makes them when they find out you're from Roswell? Those are the questions we have. It's definitely important. You know, if, if we are intergalactic superstars in this podcast that we've created, I want to know, I want to know, like, are we, are we being heard in galaxies far, far away? Are we doing what we can to prevent the star Wars? That's the thing I want to know. I don't, I don't, I'm not one to, to, um, to, to trade in conspiracy theories. Uh, there are a number of Christians who have fallen into conspiracy theories, but the government has not yet proven to me that they're not using assurance of pardon episodes to send the gospel out to uh, alien uh, beings in other galaxies. It very well could be that this podcast is being used to spread the gospel to people uh, on Mars or to people or aliens or uh, uh, um, or to to cyborg um, part a okay never mind okay I'm, I'm done with that joke <laughs> good good night man you nerded nerded out there for me on just a second but anyway so all that to say we're so excited that you've been listening to assurance of pardon um, and we are excited to talk today as we start season four um, of Assurance of Pardon. It's hard to believe that we're in season four, but we are. And um, our topic for the entire season is going to be a big word. We're going to define it for you and unpack it throughout the whole season. It's called ecclesiology. Ecclesiology. So, Scott, tell us what's ecclesiology? Ecclesiology is one of the many ologies in the study of theology, and ecclesiology is the doctrine of the church, the, the, the study and the doctrine of the church. What is the church? Why does it matter? What does Scripture say about it? What is a Christian's proper relationship to it? Uh, what, is, what is Christ's relationship to his church? And we have decided that this season is going to be all about ecclesiology because— 
we live in a day and age where people the, the uh, uh even in the even christians have a often sadly have a very low ecclesiology they just think of the church as oftentimes being just kind of an unnecessary uh um uh entity that i really don't need right and it's yes of course i need to to believe in jesus and trust jesus yes of course i need to read my bible but church, yeah, I don't need it. And we engage, obviously, uh, full disclosure, we dealt with some of these things in an episode in season two. Uh, I don't need, I don't need the church. I've got Jesus and my Bible, but we're going to take what we talked about in that episode and we're going to expand on it and talk about the church for a whole season here. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And, and kind of to piggyback off that point, um, a lot even of the resources, uh, that we have, in Christianity Today, if you go into your local bookstore, you'll find a plethora of books uh, that are geared towards your personal walk, your personal spiritual disciplines, um, your personal faith, growing everything that's that's individualized. And and that may be a, a West Western issue. I don't know. Some of our uh, believers that are listening to Assurance of Pardon overseas tell us if this is a thing that you're experiencing. But in our culture where everything is kind of focused on me, my rights, my truth, my perspective, um, you know, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going sort of mindset uh, that then leads to a um, neglect of, or a pushback against the need for the local church. Because if you've got your own Bible study, if you've got your own reading plan, if you you got your own journal, if you got your own spiritual disciplines, if you can just listen to uh, the podcast of, of your pastor sermon, or you can watch the live stream, then you can have an entire experience that you call Christianity void of the local assembly, void of the community. Um, and it's to your detriment. We think that's Absolutely. a problem. We're, we're going to unpack why we think that's an issue, but that's what we face now. And it, and it has, there's so many things that we won't get into today, but just to give you kind of an overview, it's, we're facing it in a pandemic. We're facing the issues of, of those that are trying to ask themselves whether or not they still need to go to church. We're wrestling with it. Uh, and Theocast, shout out to them. They did a fantastic job in their last episode. We're uh, defining the difference between piety and pietism. I'll, I'll, we'll put that episode in the show notes and, and redirect you there. But we're wrestling with that even now in the way that we think about our faith, that everything is individualized and I would argue, and I think you would too, Scott, that when we do that, we read the passage in such a way that we're ignoring the fact that, especially in the New Testament, the letters written to Christians are written in a communal mindset, right? Paul didn't write, he wrote to Timothy, and he wrote to Titus, and wrote to Philemon. But other than that, the rest of the time he's writing to a church to the saints. Yeah. He's writing to the, to the saints at Ephesus, to the saints at Corinth, to the saints at Thessalonica. Um, and so when you're reading um, those passages and especially those imperatives that are telling you how you should live in light of what Christ has done for you, those are meant to be done in community. Those aren't meant to be done by themselves. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The, the New Testament presumes 
membership and participation in a local church. It presumes uh, elders who are who are shepherding you, who are caretakers of your soul. It presumes all of those things. And if you are trying, hoping to grow in your Christian walk apart from being a part of a local church, then you are trying to grow spiritually in a way that is absolutely foreign to the New Testament. And uh, it, it, people who think that they can attend church on the internet, this was a problem before the pandemic, right? Of, of people who would say, I love Jesus, but I just, I just, I, there's not a church in my area that I particularly like. So I just listen to, I just listen to podcasts. Listen, we, I hope you love the Assurance of Pardon podcast. If this is where you're getting your primary spiritual nourishment, stop it. <laughs> Yeah, Stop it. Quit listening. If this is if you're listening to this or any podcast at the exclusion of or as a substitute for the local church, then you are in sin. You need to go and be a part of another gathered body of Christ. So the the idea of attending church on the internet or attending church via podcast was a has been a problem for a long time, right? But in fact, before mm-hmm. the internet, people people instead of going to church, they just turned on their TV and they would watch Charles Stanley, or, right? Or they would watch a, some sort of televised church service. And so we're not talking about people who are shut-ins, right? We're not talking about people who, before the pandemic, their health had reached to a point where where they they couldn't leave their house. That's that's always been a thing, and the church has ways that we minister to people who are who are infirm or unable to leave their home. We're not. Right. Talking, this is a this is a problem churches had before the pandemic and before the internet. Um, I always. Um, Gage, I always bristle at, at at something, and I'll tell you what it is. First of all, the, this pandemic, when it is over, it sadly is probably going to have changed the way a number of Christians think about the necessity of the local church, right? Every Oh, oh it already is, right? Yeah. There's articles out of 10 ways to rethink church now, mm-hmm. or uh, five things you're going to have to apply to your church if you want to survive after a pandemic or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I mean, those blogs are already out there. Well, um, when I, sometimes I will see a, uh, a pastor doing his live stream and he will say some things such as, Hey, whether you're with us in person or you're doing church at home, da, 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 da. Well, I bristle at this phrase "doing church at home" mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I it, it, listen. There, there very well may be good and reasonable reasons why you are staying home. You're quarantining. Many people, obviously, their 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 state or local governments aren't letting their churches meet, and so that's a mm-hmm. sad position to be in. Uh, uh, number two, they may have a compromised immune system, or they live with somebody who has a compromised immune system, and so right. they've they've got to be very very judicious about things that they do. I get all of that. But let's be very clear, you can't do church at home. The right. church is a gathered body, a congregation, and we need to we need to the reason we can't, we can't be imprecise, the reason we can't be sloppy with our language here is because it's going to bite us in the rear later on. When Absolutely. The pandemic ends and people have said, "You know what? I've kind of just gotten in the habit of doing church at home." And you said that you could do church at home. So, no, you can watch a sermon online, you can sing, you can pray, but you're not, quote, doing church. I think about the Apostle Paul when he was writing letters from prison to these churches 
um, sometimes churches that he had planted or churches that were supportive of him. He would, God, he, he would, he said, uh, he would correct them. He would encourage them. He would exhort them. He would rebuke them. He would uh, he would instruct them in the in his letters. And so God was pleased to use this remote means of of a very uh, a low tech technology, and that is handwritten letters, mm-hmm. hand delivered to congregations. God was willing to use that. But what did Paul say in every letter? How I can't wait until I'm with you. I right. want to be with you. That was the yep. goal. The goal is to be physically present with God's people when they gather on the Lord's day. And, and we can't just, to, I'm, I'm, I'm getting wound up, I'm afraid, but the, when, what does the word congregation mean? Right. We gathered decided that congregation means number of members. Somebody might say, somebody might say to a pastor, how many members or how many people are in your congregation? And the pastor will usually respond to that by just giving them a, a, a number of the number of people that are on the membership rolls, right? But con- right. to congregate is to gather physically together. That's what a congregation is, is it's people who gather physically together. That's what it is. There, there are, um, if you are unable so don't don't mishear me. If you are unable to attend, you do need to avail yourself of all of those other ways that you can. You should watch your live church service. Sure. You should stay in constant contact with with the members. You should talk to them. You should check in. You could see you should continue to tithe. You should do all of the things that you had been doing, but we you just do not fall into the trap of thinking that you are now quote doing church. Yeah, so a, a couple of things there. Um, one, going back to your your point about Paul, as much as Paul did all the things that you mentioned, the things he never said was, hey, in this jail cell, I'm doing church, right? He wasn't confused about what he was doing. He was writing to the church in anticipation until he could be with them and present with them. Um, on top of that, let's be fair <laughs> so that people don't Google us and misunderstand what we're saying. You and I both, our churches both, live stream every week. Every we week. provide that service. Um, you'll even hear me because I say the same thing every week when, when it's it's my turn to do the, the welcome. You know, we welcome everybody for gathering with us both in person and online. But the thing I don't say is we're so excited that you're doing church with this both here and online, right? Because again, I don't want to confuse those categories right down to the fact that this is the discussion we had as as a session Sunday, right? Like there may even in this live stream tool that we've all kind of jumped on to do the best we can in this pandemic to continue to gather together, um, some of the unintended consequences have been now we're starting to go, do we need to continue to do this? Do we need to kind of wean our people off of live stream? So they'll come back. Um, and, and even in that, you mentioned the shut-ins, you mentioned those that are, that have health issues or compromised immune system. And, uh, and we're clearly not talking to them. If you have COVID stay home, like if you are sick, please stay home. Um, but even in the shut-ins, you mentioned the shut-ins, the scriptures are, explicit about the care for widows, for example, right? And they had the idea of those that 
were of an age that they weren't going to marry again, that they were older, that they didn't have family to take care of them, that they needed the church to come alongside them and care for them. Even in that, the burden of proof there isn't on the shut-in. The burden of proof is actually on the church to do all that we can to still gather and make sure that that person sitting at home feels loved, cared for, brought into the community. We don't just say, well, Mrs. Sue, she, you know, she watches the live stream every week and she still sends in her checks so we're fine. No, we, we are actually charged to make sure in every way possible that we make that invalid person that shut in that person that's unable to be with us as a part of the community as possible. Um, so we want to be very clear, you know, we don't want to just get on the soapbox and bash live streaming, but it's indicative of a bigger issue that that actually has been facing us for decades as America becomes more and more individualized and as I can get anything that I want at the, at the touch uh, of a button on my phone or on my laptop, we've now applied church to that, right? That's right. That church is just another product. It's just another service. And, and then we can even measure it that way, right? Like we'll go, well... The reason I'm at home listening to, you know, Gage and Scott on Assurance of Pardon, and that's my church, is because, I mean, I like the church, but it doesn't have this program. Or I like the pastor, but I don't love the music. And then we start to kind of pick apart the church um, like a buffet line, right? I like this thing. I don't like this thing. And since it doesn't have everything that I think it should have, I'm not going to buy this product. Talk about that a little bit, Scott. Yeah, I think what people are looking for is some sort of boutique church. That that is that fits all of their right criteria. Um, I'm looking for, and and you'll, I'm I'm looking for a church that is specifically custom designed to have all the things I like and none of the things that I don't like. I I got a phone call one time from a from a uh, a fella, and he said, uh, "Hey, my son has moved." My son, my son has moved to your area. He was raised in the in the Presbyterian Church, and he's he's moved to your area, and he's been there for quite a while. And I, I would like for him to come and start attending your church. Um, I said, "Oh, that would be great. That would be great." He said, "And I just want you to know, I've been listening to your sermons on the internet, and I really like them. I think my son would really benefit from." from coming to your church. I said, well, how, how very kind. That would be wonderful. I, I look forward to seeing him. And he goes, just real one quick thing. Do you have um, like single ladies at the church? Because that will be an interest to my son. I was like, well. Um, church isn't a Beyonce song, man. Like, yeah, what, all the single ladies. I, I, you know, I said, well, I, I got good news for you. There are several. How old is your son? And he was like, oh, my son's 25. And I was like, I've got several ladies that I know are single. Um, and they're not dating anybody. Now, they're all in their 80s. But I know they're not seeing anybody right now. So, uh, you know, I don't know that they're interested in dating. But, right. you know, the guy didn't think that was funny. But yeah. this is this is the thing is is I'm looking for a church that has – that has these various things uh, that has, has young people, has single people. And, and what happens with what has happened in the church is that we um, we're looking for a church. I'll give you an example. Um, Nobody would ever consider calling a church on the phone and saying, Hey, I 
I love the theology of your church, and I'm thinking about I'm thinking about attending. But just real quick, one quick question: I'm really rich. Is does your church have lots of rich people? Because that's what I'm looking for. Right. Nobody, nobody's going to call and say that. Nobody's right. going to call and say, "Hey, I want to come to your church." Uh, I've been listening to the sermons. It sounds really good. We're going to come this Sunday. One quick question. I'm white. Do you have a lot of white people there? Nobody will say that. Of course, we would all say that's absurd. But you know what they will do? I'm single. Do you have single people? Or uh, We have lots of kids. Yeah, my wife and I. Yeah, do you have lots of kids? Um, and so we've decided that there are these demographic things that mm-hmm. are perfectly reasonable to to select by. We wouldn't use race and we wouldn't use uh, finances, but I'm looking for a, a church that has that has uh, uh, plenty of kids. You know, I mean, again, think about the New Testament. Did did Paul? People, you lived in Corinth. You went to the church in Corinth, whether right. you had kids or not, right? You would, I mean, it's, so it's when you read the the New Testament, what you see is you see people gathered together who only have one thing in common: faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? You see, you see slaves and masters. Talk about. I mean, can you think of a bigger dichotomy in the church? Slaves and masters, men and women, Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor men and women, young and old, all coming together and worshiping. And you fast forward to today, and there are churches. I'm going to step on some toes here. There are churches for people who like to dress like cowboys. Right. Right. The, yes. the idea that we would now uh, try to pattern our church after what people happen to be looking for, an affinity group, is, is, uh, is, is just a terrible, terrible, terrible error. And even in that, and we we have missiologists, right? Guys that that specialize in the study of missions and missions movements and structures over since the history of the church began, will write books about this very thing and will tell you that's how you're actually contextualizing the gospel to the context around you is you need to start a cowboy church and you need to start a a biker church, you need to start a church for skaters, you know, or whatever the case may be. Um the thing that didn't happen in Acts 2 is Peter didn't say, and the promises are for you and for your children. So make sure, guys, that you have plenty of children's programs and plenty of structures and make sure you have a singles ministry for the singles that come in. And for those that are far off that dress in Western attire, make sure that you have a Western attire division. No, he just said the promises are for you and your children and and anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Because at the end of the day, regardless of whatever would separate you, and whatever identifier the culture would try to put on you, when you gather as the saints, you are part of the ecclesia. That's where we get ecclesiology, right? You're a part of the gathered body, and you have one identifier, one thing that tells you who you are, and that is the finished work of Jesus Christ, right? And and that sort of thing matters. And, and, and don't misunderstand. We're not bashing, you know, I'm— my title is literally assistant pastor of youth and families, right? We're not bashing having things for people in your church, but we want to make sure and be clear that we don't want to approach church as if um, it's the supermarket and I've got 
my fruits and vegetables over here and I've got my chips over here and soda and beer in the back. And I've kind of, kind of, kind of pick and choose my church in the same way that a grocery store is lined out. That starts to become problematic mm-hmm. um, because as the, the church gathered, you mentioned this, you had slaves and masters, right? There's a whole letter where Paul is unpacking the dynamic of a master and a runaway slave and then the slave coming to faith and him now going, Hey, guess what? That's now your brother, regardless of whatever dynamic you had before he's now in your family. And we need to hear this because uh, we have come to the church now and we bring all of our identifiers and all of our baggage, right. So to where we couldn't possibly imagine sitting next to a Democrat, if I'm a Republican, or right. Republican if I'm a Democrat or, you know, whatever the case may be. And we let those identifiers draw us in to where we have neglected the church or we only want to seek out the church of those that think exactly the way I do, look exactly the way I do, process things the way the way I do. Yeah. I mean, you think about, I think about Paul in first Corinthians 12, when he says for the body does not consist of one member, many, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body that would make it, uh, uh, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? You know, in other words, Paul is saying we're all different, but our commonality is that we belong to this body. But mm-hmm. when we when we look for a church that fits affinity groups, whether that be uh, a church of young people, a church of old people, a, a, a church for families, a church for cowboys, a church for um, people who are into hip hop, we're we're saying I need a church full of 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 eyes or left ears, right or right thumbs. And and it's the it just it's absolutely counterintuitive to the 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 nature of the church as we see it in the New Testament. And, and at the end of the day, and I think this is a good good way to bring this to the, to a close because you can get kind of a hopefully you guys um, listening today get an understanding of kind of where we're going to go uh, throughout uh, the the season. We're going to get into these dynamics. You know, how do you process church in light of a pandemic? We're going to get into what makes up a church, like what specifically what what factors or marks or or distinctives do we have as a Presbyterian church? Um, all, all those sorts of things. At the end of the day, though, um, I think it absolutely matters that we define what is a church and what does that mean for us and why does it matter? Hopefully you understand the importance of some of the things we've talked about today. Uh, but I want to close with this thought at the end of all, all this, when Christ returns and he, he gathers his saints and we're with him in heaven, revelation is clear. He is gathering for himself a people for his own possession from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. There will come a day where there will be no more Republicans. There will be no more Democrats. There will be no more Cowboys. There will, there will be no, no, no more uh, whatever identifier you want to fill in the blank on. There will simply be the people of God gathered from every tribe and tongue and nation to sing worthy is the Lamb. Amen. And, and so our, our churches have to be focused as we do the best we can 
and to be crooked sticks drawing a straight line to Jesus and trying to help our people get and ourselves gather around that reality that regardless of what's going on in the world right now, regardless of whatever drives us in our identity, that at, at the end of the day, all of that's going to fade away and there's only going to be Jesus. Um, Christian, hear this. If you are a, if you are a, a, a white Christian, uh, in, uh, in the South, your, uh, fellow believing African American brother is more akin to you than your own unbelieving brother, right? This is, this is what, if it's true that in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek slave nor free. If that's true, that doesn't mean that those Categories don't exist. They're no longer your primary identifying category. Right. Your your kindred, your people are anybody who belongs to Jesus. That's that's who your people are. So I have more in common with a a, with a Christian in Ethiopia than I do with my unbelieving cousin. Amen. And we need to think that way. We need to see that way. This is why we need to reclaim a healthy doctrine of what the church is, both globally, the church, the, the universal church, and and locally, the visible church as it exists in individual congregations. We need to reclaim that and we need to fight for it. And there are so many gauge, there's so many errors and problems and difficulties and struggles that Christians are having now that can be traced back to bad ecclesiology, a bad yes. view of the local church. And we're going to hopefully this season going to drill down through some of those. Well, we've, uh, we've definitely opened the can of worms and stored up, uh, stirred up the hornet's nest and all those things. But we hope at the end of the day, we, we've got you thinking, we've got you, um, ready to ask questions. And if you do have questions, we'd encourage you to um, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Follow us on assuranceofpardon.com. Hit us up in our email, contact at assuranceofpardon.com. Wrestle with us together. If there are some things you're like, I don't know, guys, and you want to push back, please do that. We'd love love to hear from you. Um, Or if at the end of the day, you're thinking, man, this is this is what I needed. I want to share this with my friends to help us kind of think, think through these things together. Um, please subscribe and leave us a review and share this um, with your friend, friends and family. And as always, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.